Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. Yes, we are. We are diving deep into episode 119 today. Yes. Uh, very good episode. A lot of emotional weight to it. Absolutely. Um, and just some really different storylines that I kind of wasn't expecting. But um, yeah, we're going to talk through. Yeah, I know you got a couple bruises on your shoulder. <laughs> I mean, I was all over the place. I'm always all over the place. But yeah, he's always like tapping me. And yeah. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. What's going to happen? I know. Like, I went from one side to the other. Like, I was so close. Yeah. I was beating you. I felt bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely love getting to experience this show with you because it's your first time yes. to watch it. And so the reactions and emotions are so genuine and so just kind of right in the moment that yeah. I absolutely love it. Well, I'm sorry for telling you to shut up a million times. Shut up. <laughs> it's shut okay. I keep up. talking. <laughs> yes. Girl, I mean, I just be on the edge of my seat. I love it. This was a good episode for that, too. Yeah, it really was. Okay, so let's get to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start out with Brian, and he is in bed with uh, two other guys, and they're just having some three-way fun there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the phone starts ringing, and Brian answers it. And you can, there's just an immediate change that comes over his face. Mm-hmm. And so we know, okay, something serious is going on. And we hear Brian say, when? And then he says, I'll be there. And then the two guys, you know, while he's on the phone, they're still kind of all over him. But then they pause and they say, you know, is everything okay? And Brian tells them that somebody died. And they kind of like, maybe we should go. And Brian says, who told you to stop? And so, <laughs> yeah. He just kind of goes right back into it. But we see that his eyes go distant in that moment. So the mm-hmm. guys are still there. His body is still present, but his mind is... It's elsewhere. Yeah, it's yes. elsewhere. So, and what we already know is this is just a coping mechanism for him. Absolutely. I mean, and you can tell, I mean, like you said, it's a coping mechanism. It's how he deals with hurt and how he deals with pain. All he does Because is, he doesn't. Yeah, he, he won't. Yeah. He won't. Mm-hmm. At least not in that moment. Mm-hmm. Not until he's ready. He doesn't deal with it. So true. And I liked how the guys recognize that, oh, this could be something serious. Maybe I need to yeah. stop. But, he, you know, he's like so focused on, you know, just being painless, how he's just like, no, no, no. Did I tell you to stop like, yeah. at all? So he just dives right into it and no emotions at all. Yeah. And I'm surprised that he even answers them when they when they ask, is everything OK? I'm surprised he didn't just say, you know, shut up or I didn't bring you here to talk or whatever. Yeah. Because that's usually what he would say. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that some part he couldn't just completely tune this out. Some part of him had to acknowledge what the news he just received, which we'll get to in a minute. Because he does say, he does answer them and says somebody died. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he doesn't just completely, or he can't, I guess, not that quickly. He can't just completely tune well, out, but he eventually does. And also, in that moment, we don't know how close of the relationship of the person who died is. We don't right. know who the person is. Mm-hmm. You know, he received the news on. You know, it could be a work-related person. So right. we don't know how pressing the information right. is. Right. We, yeah, we know it's somebody that he clearly knows relatively well but uh yeah we don't know who it is uh but so we go over to the diner and emmett ted and michael they're playing a game of who would you rather and uh (laughs) you know just normal shenanigans at the diner and brian walks in and takes a seat at the booth behind the guys and um one of them makes a comment that oh you know he was burning the early hours of the day with (laughs) with some guys or whatever and justin says was he cuter than me? <laughs> is he cuter than me? And, uh, you know, part of it is just humor, but the other part of it, I think he really, he wants, really to wants to know. To know. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Did he look better than me? No. Yeah. Because oh, okay. he's like, as long as they ain't, you know, on my level, it's whatever. Yeah, do you. Yeah. Like, go ahead and As long downsize. as you stay out there with yeah. those fives, when I'm a 10, like, yes. we're okay. Uh, but Brian, um, I, I like something in this scene where Brian checks his watch when he sees Justin there. He's serving him coffee. He checks his watch because it's early in the morning. And Brian knows Justin's schedule. Yep. Like, that's how well... That's how much time they've been around each other. He's like, hey, you should be at least getting to school, if not at school. And so then Justin tells him that he picks up an extra shift because he's saving money to go to the white party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, Bougie. Yeah, one of the guys makes a comment that they're raising him well, that Brian's <laughs> raising him well. And so they're talking about going to see a movie, and Brian says that he can't go because he has family stuff. And then that's when we find out that his dad died. Yes. But also, now it makes sense that... It's no secret. Brian and Jack had, you know, a very trying, difficult relationship. Right. And yes, that's why his eyes went blank, because as much as they did not get along, they didn't see eye to eye, it's still his father. Right. And he needed time to process it. Like, is he hurt? He knew Jack was sick. Yeah. You know, like, was it his time? Mm-hmm. You know, did I say everything I needed to say? Did I get my closure? You know, so I can see why, you know, his mind yeah. was gone. And that continues to play out the length of the episodes. So we'll get to dig into that a lot mm-hmm. more. So when he tells them that his dad died, they all just kind of look at him and they don't know what to say, but they also know Brian and they know he's weird about emotions. And so they don't really push him. Mm -hmm. But Justin comes over and he says, I'm really sorry. And Brian says, he was sick. It was time. And then Justin's like, yeah, but it's your dad. And Brian just kind of, you know, blows it off and is like, yeah, whatever. But um, I think that shows something that's different about Justin. He he doesn't always let him hide behind that facade. You know, the other guys, they know it. Because uh, he's going to show the same facade to Justin also. And so they know what to expect. They know that's probably how he's going to respond. He's going to yep. act like it's no big deal. But you can just see in their faces that they really are kind of like, we don't know what to say. Yep. We don't want to push you because they know they can't push him. He'll shut down completely. But Justin, he also knows what the limit is. He yeah. can't push him too far. But he does dig a little deeper. I'm really sorry. Hey, it is your dad. Mm-hmm. I, I expect you to be to right. feel some way about right. it. Right. And Justin also has the upper hand because he... They're not together, but they're connected in a physical and emotional relationship, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So he has a little more over the guys, little neck and neck with Michael. Yeah. You know? Well, so, and they've ha- they have, even when they're, you know, they might be in like one sentence spurts and mm-hmm. he might take a lot of pulling to get that out of him, but they have these kinds of conversations sporadically. Mm-hmm. And in between those conversations, Brian's got to go to the baths in the back room and wherever <laughs> else to, <laughs> to cope with the fact that he had to tell some justin something about his feelings or his <laughs> thoughts but they do like you said they do have a mm-hmm. different kind of connection or at least they're building that yes uh and so yeah he does have a little bit more i guess leeway uh-huh. to be able to talk to him about For sure it. okay so then we see daphne and justin and they're at school at the there's an indoor pool and the students are some of the guys are swimming laps there and they're talking i guess he just told daphne about what happened with brian because justin says if my dad died, I don't know what I'd do. And we know how awful Craig is. I yeah. mean, he is still dead to me. So we know yeah. how awful he is, but he still loves Justin's, his dad. Yeah, it's yeah, just his father. Dad. Yeah. You don't ever want anything hurtful or any harm to come to your family members, especially your parents. You're not going to always see eye to eye. But like you said, bottom line, at the end of the day, I wouldn't be here for this man. This is my dad. I don't want him hurt. I don't want him dead. So I yeah. understand where he's coming from. So... When they get off that topic, they start just rating the guys that are there in the pool. You know, what do you think about this one? Oh, he's hot. Oh, he's got acne. <laughs> he's this, you know. So they're just rating all the guys. And then Daphne points out what, a guy specifically. And she says, I think his name was Glenn Reeves. She says, what about him? 
And Justin says, well, he's okay. Well, then he gets up and walks out, mm-hmm. you know, on, on side of the pool, alongside the pool, and comes over to Daphne. And we find out they're a little bit more than, like, just casual friends. <laughs> well, what I did <laughs> yeah, Daphne wrong for this, though. She and Justin are best friends. Mm-hmm. From the moment that he met Brian, she has been involved. Yeah. You know, like, she's coming over to the strip with him, mm-hmm. doing an investigation. She's showing up at Brian's place. Like, she's been on this journey with Justin the whole time. And the fact that she didn't even tell Justin she was seeing somebody, I thought that was a little shitty. And then she baited him. She this boy is about him. to go in on this man. Well, also, I got real homie vibe, closet homie vibes from him, you know? Yeah. And then... I mean, come on now. He could have ripped this man to shreds and then you're going to jump up and give him a kiss. Like, yeah. don't do that to me. Yeah, because he looks at, you can tell he feels a way about this. You yeah. know, like that you hit this. I mean, he's just telling her that the guy he's sort of in a non really relationship situation with, he just finished telling her that that guy's father passed away. Yeah. And you won't even tell him about, you know. Yeah, a little fling. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, he walks away and you can tell he kind of isn't sure how he feels about that. He didn't mm. really enjoy that. Then we go over to Babylon, and Brian is there looking very nice in this all-black ensemble. Scrumptious. <laughs> and the guys are there because that's just what the guys do at night. They go to Babylon, and they Michael says, Brian, you shouldn't be here. And then Brian's like, well, where else should I be? And Emmett comments, you know, you should be planning the funeral. And Brian's like, you know, whatever. It's, it's being done, whatever. Yeah. And then Ted makes some snarky comment, and all of them have this, like, you should be doing this. Or why are you here? They're, they're questioning him and basically kind of tell telling him how he needs to handle yeah, this situation. You can't tell me how to grieve. Right. That's one thing I didn't like about that. I mean, I feel like they were a little more upset with the whole ordeal than he was. Yeah. You're forcing your emotions onto him. Let him grieve the way he knows how. Yeah. You know? Like, you don't have to force it on me. And I think this is tied to something that we've talked about. Like, they think they know him so well and he's like this feelingless, empty, cold man. I mean, they know that he cares in some ways, but they're always telling him, oh, he doesn't care. He wouldn't care. He's this or he's that. And now they're trying to tell him, you're supposed to feel this way. You're supposed to feel that way. And it's like, you don't know what he feels, really. Like, if you're just judging by his outward actions, like, you don't know what he feels. You don't. And have you even taken the time? They're still doing these little snarky little comments, these little jabs and jokes. Yes, it's fun. It's what they normally do. Right. But... You think that's the right time to do that anyway? Why yeah. have you said, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? If mm-hmm. you need anything, I understand you're here. You kind of get your mind out of it. But we're here if yeah. you want to have a deep conversation. You know, yeah. if you need to cry, vent, get it out. But they didn't offer any of that. Right. And you have to, he's one that we've said, you have to study his patterns. Like when he found out about that his dad had cancer, that's when he went to the leather ball. You know, and so mm-hmm. you have to know his patterns. And so it's, like, and not, it's not that he doesn't care about these things. It's just... This is how he works through it. Right. Them. You've got to give him a minute to work through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't immediately put him in that box and tell him, well, you're not doing this and you should be. And yeah. And we also, we don't have any backstory uh, as in family history on the other characters. We already knew that Michael didn't grow up with a father. Right. So I understand his emotions. Like, hey, man, he wasn't the best, but you had a fucking father. You mm-hmm. know, like, I didn't have that opportunity. We only met Ted's mom, so we don't right. know so the I'm, relationship. We're guessing that his dad is some not in the picture. It could be that right. his parents are divorced or mm-hmm. something like that, but it seems like his dad's just kind of not in the picture. Right. And then um, we already know the relationship between Justin and his dad. It's not good, but Justin would never want anything, you know, to happen to him. And then Emmett, we have no idea on his backstory when it comes to his parents. So I'm thinking that they all have father issues. Oh, yeah. Which and are fathers are very common in the gay community yes. anyway. But mm-hmm. yeah, even with these guys, they've all got um, 
got daddy issues. Yeah, those daddy issues. I mean, daddy issues are coming straight in back. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Get but it together, I mean. daddies. Okay. Daddy. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Brian tells them that it's all taken care of. And then we see him go to the back room. And, of course, Michael is following him. Uh, because Brian goes in and he's walking around, checking out the options, and then just leans against a pole and some guy comes. And Brian's just going to let that guy kind of take his worries away. And Michael is there right on his shoulder. Like, Brian, what are you doing? Why are you back here? How can you even think about sex right now? Well, and- for one, I would have stopped him right there. Why are you back here? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Davies at the house. We could have had this conversation when I came out. Thank you. <laughs> or yes, before and- I came in, but like... Why are you in here with me? Exactly. But I can appreciate Michael being that caring friend, you know? Yeah. Michael does have a big heart. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes the way that he goes about expressing that big heart, I have some questions yeah. about, but he does have a big heart. Yeah, me too. Like, this whole scene, I was just like, why? As in, I understand why you're here. But again, you can't tell me how to grieve. Exactly. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. If I want to, like... F my way, my pain away, then let me, you yeah. know? If I want to, like, disassociate for a few days, let me. When I need to let it out, I'll be ready, you know? Well, and that's basically what Brian <clears throat> says. He basically tells him, like, this is my grief counseling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Michael just be doing too much sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he... Michael likes to father Brian in a lot of ways. And I guess because he didn't have that in his own life. And he knows the situation with Brian and his dad. And so maybe he feels that need to kind of... I don't know. It's, yeah. it's kind of weird. Because no, no, he's I... also got the hero worship thing. Mm-hmm. But in other ways, he does try to father him. Uh, back with Daphne and Justin, they are leaving school and they're having a conversation and Justin's telling her, like, I'm kind of disappointed that you didn't tell me because I tell you everything and yeah. you didn't you held that from me. And so Justin asks her, well, is he your boyfriend? And then she says, well, we've been IMing each other instant messenger, <laughs> which is like old school text messaging. <laughs> old school. Oh, I felt old hearing that. Yeah. And she's like, you know, we're just kind of been going back and forth, you know, that sort of thing. And. But then she, you know, checks with Justin. She's like, but we're still best friends. Like, he hasn't replaced you because he's been the most important man in her life up to this point. And so here's this other guy coming. And it's a little bit on a much healthier scale, I'm going to say. It's a little bit of what was going on with Michael and Brian when Justin came into the picture. Mm -hmm. That, like, oh, you got some other guy here. Where do I fit in with this? But Justin's wasn't that extreme. But you can see on his face, he was a little bothered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was He was like, I well, think it was more of a to, shock factor. Well, and Daphne has to ask him twice. She says, we're still best friends. And he's like, I guess. She's like, well, are we? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah. and then he's still hesitant. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it wasn't like, yeah, girl. Yeah. It but his was more so of like, a, you withheld something from me, something yeah. important. And then, you know, coupled with the fact that, you know, here's this other guy. And, yeah, yeah, no, mm-hmm. bo- both, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and so Justin asks her if they have done the nasty yet. <laughs> and, and she says no, that she's worried about her lack of experience. Right. And um, she says, you know, I've heard that it could be, it could be really be bad the uh-huh. first time if the person isn't careful. And Justin tells her, you know, I was lucky with Brian that he went slow. And we know it was more than that, you know, mm-hmm. but he, w- Brian's very gracious and um, very caring and concerned for Justin. Um, let me just time. take a little side note. Yeah. You describing that, <laughs> very gracious. That sounded so good. I love the way you said that. Leave me alone. <laughs> I didn't write down a better word in my notes. It was good. No, I love that. It sounded okay. great. Um, But so they're having this conversation. And so she asked Justin if he will be her first. How did you, were you shocked by that? Kind of, but 
I can see it happening. You know, I can see it coming. Um, the trust, you know, like like mm-hmm. you said, he was the most important male in her life other than her father. Um, you know, they tell each other everything. She's super comfortable. Yeah. It's something that is scary because the person you're normally doing it with, you're not as familiar as, you know, you are with your friends. Yeah. Um, so I, I could see her asking. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an honor because she yeah. knows that he's completely head over heels for Brian. And it's not going to be, you know, anything else. It's no strings attached. And he's safe. She knows him. I, I thought it was great. Yeah, well, and there are benefits to having a gay guy as your best friend. Yeah, no, <laughs> so for real. This is one of them for Daphne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, this conversation kind of continues, or this idea kind of continues over at Woody's when the guys are talking, and so it's Brian, Justin, Emmett, Ted, and Michael there. And I love all the times that they get to hang out because they're so casual and so comfortable around yeah. each other now. Um, but so they're they are there and. Justin is telling them what Daphne has asked of him. And Ted says, well, gay men sleeping with straight women. Isn't that a sign of the apocalypse? <laughs> <laughs> For real. Yeah. Our hell is breaking loose. Yeah. And so they ask Justin if he's ever been with a woman. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, four girls at camp. And then this lady here. And then my teacher here. And then they're kind of, Ted is like, very impressive, but a little bit like, oh my gosh, you know, I never thought that about you. And the other guys are like, I can't believe this. And Brian is like, kind of like, he's like, should I trust this? Is this is I this trusted shit? it. I trusted it. He had me sold. <laughs> yeah, but um, but then he tells him, you know, he's just he's just kidding, or they figure it out that he's just kidding. And uh, so then they kind of ask him, like, are you gonna go through with it? Do you think you can even go through with it? And, <laughs> and you know, at his age, you know, little wind blows. <laughs> yeah, that's what everything stiffen up. Yeah, Ted leans over to test that theory. That is so funny. <laughs> I died when he leaned. I was, look at this little freak. Yeah, checking out Justin's goods. That was so funny. Yeah, but I like what the guys tell him, and even just that he can have this conversation with them. Yeah. You know, Ted tells him that it's great that she asks. Um, that it is an honor yeah. that she asks him that, and Michael says well, it means that she trusts you. And Emmett says, go to her. Teach her what it's like <laughs> to be a woman. <laughs> or help her become a woman or whatever he says. Yeah. But like I said, I do like that, um, how they just help him. Because he is learning a lot from him. Something that Peter Page said in the interview that I did with him, he said that that was a generation of young gay men that didn't have gay mentors. Mm-hmm. At least that's what, and that's what he grew up with also in, you know, in his real life. And so that Justin is kind of getting that from these mm-hmm. guys, from these friends, and he's kind of getting that mentorship from them. None of them would ever call it that, I'm sure. But it's neat that he that he has that with them. Uh, so while they're at Woody's, Blake comes in, and Ted sees this. And when we left off, Ted just had kicked him out of the house because he thought he stole his wallet. Mm-hmm. Then he ended up finding it later, and so he kind of felt like crap about that. Right. So he sees Blake, and he wants to go apologize. So he goes over to Blake, and Blake's with some friends, and he gets up, and he sees it's Ted, and he goes over to the side with him, and he tells him, I told you I don't have your money. And Ted tells him, I feel horrible. I know you don't have it because I found it at Emmett's house. He's like, I know you're having a rough time, so if you ever need an ear, a shoulder, an eye, (laughs) he just like starts offering all these body parts, and Blake says, well, how about an arm and a leg? And I think basically what Ted is telling him, I want to be here for you. I want to be there for you. My mind automatically went 
another way. When okay. he said, how about an arm and a leg? I already went to the negative. I'm low oh, key, you're Emmett. Yeah. You know <laughs> I'm low-key like Emmett, you know? I'm, uh, only because I know the effects of, of, you know, being addicted to drugs. Yeah. Not me personally saying, just, you know, by association. Right. You know, being aware of the community and how, you know, drugs have affected it. But an arm and a leg, I thought that he owed somebody some money. The tough guys from the bathroom is fixing to <laughs> come back out and get him. Like, Ted, run. Because... You could have had this little conversation with the little group over here. Yeah. He pulled you around the corner. I'm like, oh, I'm looking scared. Like I'm, I'm, I was scared for him. Like I just thought any minute now that one guy from the restroom is going to come over here and beat the hell out of him. Take his wallet. Yeah, like, and take really his wallet take his wallet, wallet this time. <laughs> take his wallet for real because of this little, you know, yeah. meth head. I think it is. You know, that could be a natural reaction, like a knee-jerk reaction to be um, skeptical of Blake's intentions. And we'll get to see some more of that play out the rest of this episode. But I get where you can see where you see it that way. Mm -hmm. I think because Blake was so, he was hurt. And so he was a little bit, not quite cold, but just about. He was a little lower than room temperature toward (laughs) (laughs) toward Ted. uh, Because he remembers what their last interaction was in and Ted was so mean uh, and harsh. Jugular, yeah. In that last conversation, and so I get why he was a little bit cold. But yeah, I took it as, uh, you know, Ted's offering all these things, and so it's kind of a joke when you're not really ready to forgive the person, but you know you're going to. That's how I took it. But anyway, like I said, Blake does soften at the end of their conversation. So we leave Woody's and go to what is probably the extreme opposite of Woody's, uh, Brian's childhood home. Uh, and he's there with Michael and they are picking out uh, something for his dad to wear in the casket at the funeral. And we find out during this that he's got a sister named Claire and he has two nephews. And um, we also meet his mom in this scene. And when she comes in, Michael seems a little timid around her. Was Michael's timid all the time? So (laughs) in some ways, but it's like turned up with, with her coming in the room and just the way that she talks, um, she's very dismissive of yeah, Michael. And we extremely. talked about it because she probably knows that he's gay. Well, she knows yeah. Debbie. And she knows that Debbie is like the well, mother. Well, she described of- her as your mom. She didn't say, oh, she's a sweet lady. It was, she's a character. Yeah. And she said that in a condescending yeah, she's way. Yeah, colorful. Yeah. yeah. She's like, thank you for the sandwich platter. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like she was like too good. She's yeah. bougie. And it goes back to, I really feel she knows Michael's gay. Yeah. And deep down inside, she probably feels Brian is gay, but Brian has never told anybody. We know for a fact, Jack told Brian, do not tell your mother that you're gay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, this will kill her, mm-hmm. you know, period. Or send her back to the bottle or whatever it was. Yeah. But um, so they've never had the conversation. She's probably thinking, why are you with this gay guy? You know, like, I'm tired of you always running with this man, mm-hmm. you know? So well, she's not got to know there's something to that. I mean, right. yeah, straight men can have a gay best friend. But, but he has three. Right. And then she knows how much time he spent at Debbie's house. And even if he wasn't going there because she's because he's gay, she knows that Debbie would welcome people who were yes. in her home. Absolutely. Because she probably knows that her that Debbie's brother Vic is gay. Yep. So she's definitely yeah, she ain't I don't think she's too happy that Brian is friends with Michael and she definitely ain't happy with Michael. No, not at all. Yeah. And she wasn't afraid to show it. No, not at all. Uh, so Brian finds a bowling ball there, and Joan Kinney makes the comment that he spent more time with that with that bowling ball basically than he did with me. And you said, "Yeah, and with Brian also." Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly, mm-hmm. I mean that man was not present in his children's life. Children's yeah, and, life. Yeah, lives. and things were clearly like it's clear that things were not that great between Jack and Joan either. Mm-hmm. So 
True. And even Brian went down the list saying how Jack didn't even like Joan. You know, um, mm-hmm. he didn't like him. He didn't, didn't like really, Claire. Yeah, didn't like, yeah. So, yeah. anybody. And Michael, you know, when she walks out, Michael says, I forgot uh, what it was like to be at your home. And then he replies. Yeah. That's why I was always at yours. People Mm -hmm. always forget. Debbie was like his second mom. Yeah. He spent a lot of time Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. To escape what he had going on at his home. You know, we know that his mother was, you know, cold and she drinks all the time. And his dad was abusive and and just a cheater and and not present. present. Yeah. Mm hmm. Even if he was there physically, you know, he really wasn't there for his family. Yeah. And there could be a little jealousy from Joan to Debbie because she her son was with her more than, you know, her own son. So it could be. And that could explain her need to put Debbie down in yep. front of Brian. Yeah. So then we see Blake going over to Ted's uh, apartment. He's knocking on the door and it's kind of late at night because Ted looks like he's getting up out of bed. And Blake tells him that a guy threw up on my bed and he's like, I can't, I can't stay there anymore. And Ted tells him, well, you can stay here for a night or a couple of nights, help you get Mm -hmm. on your feet or whatever. And so Blake comes in, he tells him, I'm clean, I swear. And Ted tells him, I believe you. And so then he comes in, they kind of immediately, I guess there's just this magnetic attraction and a chemistry between the two of them. So they just kind of still, again, pick up. Well, not exactly where things left off, but, but yeah. you know, well, things ended very poorly yes. the last time. But so they pick up on better terms this time. And Ted tells him, you know, let's not rush into anything. Let's, Ted is trying to be responsible. Girl. But, <laughs> okay, yeah. he needs to stop acting. Stop trying to adult in this situation. Yeah. This man is at your house at right. midnight. Ain't nothing open but some legs. And all you want to do <laughs> is talk and say no. Let's take it slow. Yeah. Let's not rush into this. And so Ted just quits pretending. And he just puts all that to the side. And then this opera music starts to play. And I really like that choice right there because then that leads us over to the graveside service um, for at Jack's funeral. Mm -hmm. And so we see that all of Brian's friends are there. Justin's not there, but all of Brian's friends are there. What do you think about the fact that Justin's not there? I didn't even pick that up. That's a good observation because I never picked that up. Um, I don't know what how I feel about it. You know, maybe he couldn't explain why he was hanging out with such a young child. Well, that you know, could so be he didn't, it. He didn't want to even bring that up. Like Lisa's mom already knows Michael. He can easily say that Emmett and Ted, because we don't know if you know Joan knows them. Yeah, are extensions of Michael and they're there for support for him or whatever. Who knows? But. I don't think he can explain Justin. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking this is going on during school hours, but we know Justin will miss school. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think we could just pretty much assume that if he wanted to, he could miss school. True. And he's super smart, so he's not worried about... Right. I mean, he's already too. in a yeah. Dartmouth and PIFA, so, yeah, so whatever. The boy's know? set. So. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's right. I think, yeah, it wouldn't have been appropriate for him to be there. And mm-hmm. also, he doesn't... Even though he'd want to be there for Brian, the best place to be there for Brian is not at that. Yeah. At that, the funeral or the graveside service. It would probably be at the loft sometime yep. later, but mm-hmm. not not here. So, like I said, you know, all the friends are there and they're behaving appropriately you know, for a funeral service. And Brian's kind of looking around and then we see him just walk off. You know, Claire's over there and she's just Balling falling apart, a complete mess. Out. And 
um, Brian walks off and he goes over and stands by. And then I see in the background Michael watching him walk off. And then mm-hmm. Michael comes over there. And part of me wanted to be like, Michael, give him a minute. Thank you. <laughs> but, my God. You're smothering I me. I understand. You're being, you're trying to be for your friend. I was like, dude, give him a minute. Please. The boy can't take two steps. Like nothing. You're <laughs> yeah. all in my neck. I can't not it's breathe. Like, oh, you are my shadow yeah. all the time. Please. God. Um, but like we said, Michael's just got that big heart. So yeah. sometimes it's too big. It's okay? too big. Sometimes. <laughs> you need to microwave that. Mic. Yeah, yeah. Put that sucker on a diet sometimes. Yeah, some. But um, so he, he goes over and Brian pulls out a handkerchief, and you think, okay, maybe now I was he's ready. Gonna, I was like, yeah, oh like, my okay, god, he's about now, to cry. You know, the floodgates are going to yes, open. I was but, ready. He pulls it out, unfolds it, and, and he's got a joint. joint buried in it. <laughs> he's got a yeah. damn joint. And I was yeah. like, this man always here with the gimmicks, okay? Like, but it just seemed so appropriate for him. Brian. It was like, yeah. but it tells you he tucked that in there knowing he was probably going to need that. So yeah. it probably is that he was, he didn't know how to handle that situation. It it, the the emotions were getting weird. Yeah. It was getting heavy. And so... He knew he was going to need some way to kind of escape or, yeah. to, or at least to give him a pause in a minute because this is just a very conflicting situation, mm-hmm. I would imagine, for him. He just needed to calm his nerves, smoke a little J and calm yeah. his nerves. But you see, Michael, any other time Michael would hit that joint, Michael always want to pretend to be so innocent and good. Like, no, we're, <laughs> we're at the gravesite. This is disrespectful. You know what I wonder? Pop that joint. Yeah, you know what I wonder? What is Dr. David thinking about this? Because Michael's spending a whole lot of time. A whole lot. But <laughs> you also, know, tracking Brian's movements this episode. Well, David probably got his little hoe ass at the baths, okay? He probably You are still not over Dr. David nah, being at the baths? He probably is over that, like, there now, breaking that promise, okay? <laughs> but anyway, I think this is something serious. No, no, yes. not I think. This is something serious. Yes. He understands the relationship between Brian and, and um, Michael. He already knows for a fact Michael's going to be there. Right. I mean, what? Brian got in a little bitty car wreck, wasn't even dead, nothing. I mean, he had a, a Band-Aid yes, over his thank eye. you. <laughs> and he, you left the whole picnic by the lake, everything. You right. Smashing in the forest, looking all beautiful, just to rush back for this man not to have a scratch on him. You yeah. know, like, get it together. He already knows Michael is coming. Michael's mm-hmm. going to come be with him. So, I, you know, he gets that pass. Yeah, and, I, you know, and kudos to Dr. Dave for, for just letting Michael do this. I mean, mm-hmm. they're for his friend because if he was there, we know how Brian is. Brian would have used, Brian's looking for a distraction, so he would have used that opp- as an opportunity to probably poke fun at Michael and yeah. Dr. David and do his normal Brian Kenny yeah. thing. So, yeah. You have to be on stage. Yeah. Uh, so... They leave the graveside service and they go to back to the Kenny home. And again, Claire is a blubbering mess. <laughs> and uh, um, she's kind of like all over the place crying and wiping tears. And she's even getting on Joan's nerves at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want her around me. She's doing the most. Yeah. And I mean, she's act, I mean, like we said, everybody can Girl, grieve in their own way. But she's, she's acting. acting like they were this picture perfect family. And she can't believe her daddy, who was so present and active <laughs> and loving and caring, is gone. It's like, and those the one who put on the most are the ones who yeah. are never present in those people's lives. That's true. I'm yeah. for real. Like they're the one who's diving into the casket. You know, <laughs> no, don't. I need you. I can't go on without you. Where were you three days ago? Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, girl. Okay, Claire. For real. <laughs> uh, so Emmett is ready to go, and um, the rest of them are sitting around. They're just kind of. 
they want to be there for Brian, but they're just like, they don't know what to do. So anyway, <laughs> they're just there. And Brian is holding um, the bowling ball in its bag, carrying bag. He just like keeps coming back to that. And so we know, okay, there's something to that. And we'll find out w- what it is later. But he just keeps, you know, that bowling ball keeps reappearing. And then also it's like the one thing, because Joan had told him, take whatever you want. You know, I'm going to call Goodwill. Mm-hmm. They're going to come pick up everything else. She told him, take everything, take whatever you want. And that's the one thing that he grabbed that he's going to, that he's going to take with him that belonged to his father. Mm-hmm. And so the gang is getting ready to leave. Ted and Emmett have a quick exchange. And during that, it's revealed that Blake is staying with Ted, maybe for the night or for the evening, but it's revealed. But they uh-huh. don't have time to get into that right here. Ain't the time and the place. <laughs> yeah, not the time, not the place. Very proud of them for <laughs> for for not going down into that. Because normally uh, they, they don't have any restraint. Right. They mm-hmm. do what they want when they want. Yes. Uh, but so before they can leave, Claire comes over and she wants everyone to share a fond memory of her father. And no one has anything to say, not even the priest. Oh, I died. The priest hit her with some realness. Yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't know him. He didn't come to mass. Yeah, I was, <laughs> her face was cracked okay i want to jump through the screen and cup it yeah i'm catching your face because he just broke it (laughs) (laughs) well Lindsay tries you know she says well you know he told me once a long time ago that i smelled nice and he gave me a mint (laughs) 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 oh Lindsay, we appreciate you trying yeah i mean they were really scraping and scratching at something nice to say at this man's eulogy or funeral or Whatever yeah. you want to call it, a little after service. And so Michael shares a story about them going bowling and how he and Brian were both terrible bowlers. And he says that Brian rolled a strike and they were hugging and jumping. They were so happy. And Mr. Kenny walks over and he was so proud of Brian and gives Brian a big hug. And Michael is like, I never had a father. Uh, and so I will always remember that hug that he that he gave us. And so Brian's watching him tell this story with just a strange look on his face. But so after Michael tells his story, Brian wants to share his own story. I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I know. We already do. Oh, here gosh. Here we go. Oh, no. And Brian tells him about the day that Joan was telling Jack that she was pregnant with him. And he says you know, he had her get all dressed up, took her to this nice restaurant. And then he told her that she needed to have an abortion because he didn't want another child. And just the fact that Brian even knows this story. Why would even Joan disclose that? Right. Right. <laughs> Who yeah. does that? Like, she... She wanted to intentionally hurt him, too. Right, because I guess she felt like she was rejected by Jack, and so she wanted, you know, it's Brian's fault because how dare he, you know, be conceived. And so she takes it out on him, and, you know, of course, Jack takes it out on him, too, and just, yeah, that just tells you what kind of parenting was going on there. Yeah, no, it was very Well, it was not parenting. That that just tells you what kind of abuse and whatnot was going on in that home. And, you know, big ups to all of... Like the adoptive parents out there. Yeah. So all the ones who, you know, can recognize that someone is going through it at the house. These young um, gay um, men and women, you know, confused, don't, know how he, don't even know how to articulate their emotions, their feelings. Right. And you never know what somebody else is going through at the house. Mm-hmm. The fact that they can come in, step in and make you feel comfortable and loved. So big ups to Deb. You know, yeah. if he didn't have a Deb, he could have been strung out on drugs. Yeah. He, shout know, out all the real life Debs. Yeah. No, for real. Shout out to you guys. Cause, and I mean, even the really Jennifers mean, who yeah. make an effort to come around and love their kid. Yep. I mean, she, she really is an excellent mom. She is fighting, really trying to make a way. Yeah. I mean, she really has. Like, it's something new to her. It's out of her comfort zone. But she's putting in that effort and that time to learn who her son is and how to respect him and how to love him the way he needs to be loved. 
Yeah. And I, I rocks with that heavy. Necessary detour right there. Yep. Had to had to say that. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but so now the whole thing is just awkward. After Brian says what he says, <laughs> now it's all just awkward. Because even if people kind of suspected that things are going on in that home, now Brian has just said it. Yeah. So it's all awkward. Uh, so we go over to follow Justin and Daphne, and they are in Justin's room at Debbie's house. And I guess, I don't know where Vic is, but Debbie must be working, you know, shift at the diner. And Daphne's asking him, well, how long is this going to take? And she's like, it's not going to be home by six. <laughs> so uh, so there's a lot going on with this this whole scene. But what I like is the reminder that they're so young, mm-hmm. that they are just, well, Justin's just turned 18 and who would guess Daphne's probably around the same, but they're so, they're so young and we kind of, we can forget that with Justin. Like as yeah. the, the season has gone on, we can forget how young he is. And so I really, I don't know, it's just something very youthful and innocent and, pu- and I don't know. No, it is. It's very innocent on, but <laughs> pure. Even though he's living like the adult life, you can still see the childlike essence in him. Yeah. You know, and we're on this journey with him. We know he's in school. We know that he's still young, but he's trying to walk in his adult life. Uh, I love how we get those little glimpses because yeah. a lot of times we always just see, I always forget that he is, like you were saying, I forget that he's young because he is way more mature for his age. Right. I mean, he he's hanging out with 30-year-olds and fits perfectly in with right. them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's living a totally different life and he doesn't really seem like an imposter No, over not at there. all. Like, it's natural. Like, hell, he's taught them certain things right. in, in different episodes. So, I mean, he it's an easy, effortless crossover for him. Mm-hmm. And to go back to see him with Daphne, that's when we get to see the the youthfulness, you yeah. know, the, ch- the childlike in him, the still in him. And that's why I love him because he is innocent. He is pure. He hasn't been corrupted. He has an open um, point of view of the world. Right. He's learning, but he's learning with his eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. Okay. So uh, I pointed out to Ken when we were watching the pictures in Justin's room. He has a drawing of him and Brian uh-huh. on, on side of his bed. But on the other side, there's a picture of Daphne there. And so I like, you know, the most important people in his, in his life, life are kind of, yeah, on the wall, right next there to on him. the wall. Yeah. yeah, next to his bed. But I do love this whole scene with them. I love that there's a sweet shyness to it. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious that this is a deep friendship. They really care about each other. Mm-hmm. And this isn't salacious and it isn't gratuitous. Like, I really love how this scene was shot and how mm-hmm. it was all handled. Yeah, it was it was very nice and and very tastefully done. Yeah. And he took his time and he made her feel loved. Yeah. But before he tells her after afterwards, let's not get weird. Yeah. And then she promises, okay, no weirdness. And uh, so then, you know, but I love that he even like, he goes extra mile. Like he kisses her. And, yeah. You know, he wants to ensure her comfort and her mm-hmm. pleasure. And so. And also I, it's her first time. He wanted to be magical. Something special. Yeah. Not something that she's, you know, cringes when she thinks well, about. Well, because he wasn't, they weren't like giggling in a way like, this is so weird. You're this right. is funny. Where does this go? What yeah. is that? Uh-huh. Uh, it was very, it was very sweet. It was. Um, and I like that he, you know, he really, some people might take issue with it, but I feel like he really was, if, if that's what she decided she wanted to do, she wanted to have experience, she wanted someone that she can trust, then I feel like then he was the perfect choice because yeah. he did handle her very, very delicately. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. He, I think he, he thought about her feelings, her emotions. Yeah. He thought about this in the long run, like, this really is your first time. It needs to be something magical. Well, and just knowing this is my friend and yeah, she's going to go over with other guys and I want her to know if they're not treating you like this, yeah, then what set, they're doing is yeah. unacceptable. Yeah, set the bar. Yeah. yeah. So good for him. 
Good for you, Justin. Okay, so then we see Emmett and Ted, and they're walking together, and they're just kind of rehashing what all went on with the funeral and how awkward that was. And Emmett says, can you imagine growing up in a home like that or growing up like that? And he says, you know, how did he survive? And Ted says, who's to say he did? And I think that line is buried in there, but that line is so important. It is. Because what we know is he barely survived. Even to this day, he is still dealing with a whole lot of junk and drama from the way he grew up. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have the Brian Kenny we have now. Right. Who is emotionlessly. Yeah. So much of him is trying to outrun his childhood or trying to Mm -hmm. hide from things that went on there or trying to compensate for it or and just distance himself from right. any type of characteristic yeah. traits that's why he doesn't family. want any emotional attachments to anybody yep. that's why he can't believe in love because of the home he grew up in he's like that wasn't love that couldn't have been love nah. you know that's why he says you know sorry's bs he doesn't believe in sorry because mm-hmm. if you know anything about an abusive partner or parent they do sorry. it they do it once oh i'm so sorry i'll never do it again well then a day or a week later yep. they do it again and so it's just that cycle and so of course he doesn't believe that sorry is a real thing mm-hmm. of course he doesn't believe in love or attachment or commitment or or he just wants no part of it i think right. it's more accurate he says he doesn't believe in it i think he hasn't seen it and he wants no part of it right I agree. So the other thing that they're doing is Ted is shopping for flowers and we find out it's because, you know, they're going to have, he's going to have dinner with Blake and he wants these flowers to give him or put on the table or whatever. And uh, Emmett is just like, look, dude, uh, you know, he's over taking shots about Blake and he says, um, I know that he's using, like, I know it. I don't care what he told you. I know he is. Like, I believe the tweaked out twink is still tweaking. Is what he but says. you know what? And Emmett has valid points. I can give him that. But he's not even thinking about what Ted's going through emotionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everything he said is spot on. I'm, I definitely agree with him. But he could have been more delicate in his delivery to Ted. He already knows how Ted feels. So, you know, speak to him in a way that he's going to be receptive to the information you're giving him. The way yeah. he's going about it is just a little bit too rough. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, look, too blunt. And it's it's hard when you're dealing with an addict because, you know, I'm inclined to say, give Blake a shot. You know, give him a chance to to prove you wrong. But, uh, yeah, Emma's just like, no, don't even, don't even play with that fire. Don't do mm-hmm. it. And so you pick up on the fact like, okay, Emmett knows these signs either personally or through somebody he's known. And so when I asked Peter Page about that, he said that, that he believes that uh, Emmett had an old roommate who was really close to, who had uh, mm. a crystal meth addiction. And that's uh-huh. how he knows the signs and like, basically like living that closely with the person and seeing them go through that cycle of, I'm going to get better. Oh no, I fell off the wagon again. I'm yeah. going to get better. I fell off the wagon again. And so that's how Emmett's like, no, don't put yourself through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get where Emmett's coming from, but it's not always that black and white or it's that not. cut and dry. I remember when in my earlier 20s, I was um, serving and I wanted to get a high end, like the fine dining steakhouses. And I went after interview, after interview, after interview, and they would never give me a chance. So it was this last one I went to and they was going to decline me because I had no wine knowledge at all. Mm-hmm. I'll have a great personality, but no wine knowledge. And um, I, he said, is there anything you want to say to me? And I said, yes. I went on, I told him, I went on several interviews and everyone's telling me I have no experience. How do you expect me to gain experience if you won't even take a chance on me? Right. So that's what I'm feeling with... I agree with Emmett is saying, but if we all just give up on Blake, 
How right. does he get better if his family is clearly, you know, he, he's living right. in a little, a little nasty little house because he has no one else to go to. Mm-hmm. So that's no family. If we all give up on Blake, how does he get better? Where does that support right. If nobody come believes from? in you, what's the yeah. point in trying to do yeah. anything? You know, and I know you have to believe in yourself and believe mm-hmm. you can change, but you need we support. need people. Yeah. Like you need a village of mm-hmm. people. And if nobody's going to be that, then it's very, 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 very hard. So it happens, but it's very hard to do that on your own. Right. It is. So you need a support system. You. So the moral of my story was, if you're not willing to give me a chance, I will never be able to gain yeah. that knowledge that you expected me to have to even get my foot into the door. Yeah. So if we give up on Blake, he's never going to have that support system, that village behind him to actually give him the strength to keep him on the right path, to keep going. So I, I kind of love that. You know, Ted is not listening to Emmett. Yeah. I mean, he's actually getting pissed off. Well, he, yeah, he gets yeah. upset. He tells him, like, you're just jealous that I found someone and you don't have anybody. And Emmett's like, no, he's using you. And Ted says, you don't want me to have it. You, you don't want me to have this because you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you're, you're jealous. That's what it is. And so I want to give Blake a shot. Right. I'm inclined to give him a shot. Absolutely. Me too. I mean, I hear you, Emmett. I know if this goes bad, that's on me. But I'm inclined right. to give him a shot. I mean, I just want him to recognize the signs, though. Like, hey, don't believe everything this man is saying. I mean, baby steps. Trust but verify yeah, is what they say. Trust but verify. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. That's, that's what, what I want I you to do. Yeah. Uh, so we go over to the loft and Brian is there and he is drunk. Just, yeah, completely drunk, completely wasted. And Michael's there with him. It's probably the case that Michael had to drive him home because uh-huh. <laughs> um, he's there making a pot of coffee for him. And Michael's upset with him and he's told him, you should apologize. Your father deserves respect. And I love what Brian says. He says, if you don't earn respect when you're alive, you don't deserve it when you're dead. Yeah, it's like, we're not going to forget how awful you were Just while you were. You yeah, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't erase it. Mm-mm. And I guess I'll take now. I mean, there are many times to do it, but I guess I'll take now to have us dive into this. Like, I would imagine it is super hard to grieve a parent like this mm-hmm. because you should not love them, but you do. You yeah. shouldn't care about them, but you do. You shouldn't miss them because they're dead, but you do. Mm-hmm. And this is so true. Like that's what one of the things I love the most about Queer's Focus is a lot of the things that it addresses are so true and so real. And you know, somebody was studying some psychology when they were yeah. writing this show because, I mean, even children of an addict, like even young children who are in foster homes, like they still want to go see that parent, even right. if that parent left them stranded at the park bench while they went out and got high. They still love their parent. Yeah. Um, but then as they grow older and they realize this is not normal, this is not love. It's still it's just difficult. And yeah. so I think that's where Brian is. And he's like, I think he's. He doesn't like the fact that he's sad, but he can't not be sad. He just can't decide how to feel. It's like he's on a seesaw, Mm -hmm. up and down, Mm -hmm. up and down. Like, he doesn't know where to stop. Right, because it's like, we weren't close to begin with, but... but And then it's just like the finality of it. It's like, now we can't can't get any better. We can't reconcile. mm -hmm. You can't apologize. Like, we can't have any more conversations. We can't fix what was broken because it's final. And it's just like... Yeah, how do I reconcile that? What do I do with that? Mm-hmm. Um, but so this whole episode, Brian has been out. Well, I don't want to say outwardly because we recognize this behavior on Brian and we know better. We right. know it's not that he doesn't care, but he has been, at least on the surface, acting like he didn't care that his dad died. Like, oh, you know, well, he had cancer and he was yeah. older. So whatever, that's what it is. But even without recognizing his beh- the behavior he's displaying, I'm still going to call BS on this because... 
in a previous episode, we saw him take money to to Jack. Yeah. You know? And and that wasn't you could tell that wasn't the first time because Brian just showed up with it. And yep. before Jack could even get the question out, he had it ready to go. Yeah. So, you know, even if that doesn't happen once every three months, like that's something that happens regularly. And he doesn't mm-hmm. have to do that. Even when Jack came to the loft and told him that he had cancer, he said, sorry. Yeah. And so and, you know, in. In watching what Justin is going through, we see how Brian is thinking about his own life and his own relationship with his dad in that in, during those episodes. And yep. so we can see that he's very conflicted. And he we talked about this in a previous episode, but he wanted to believe that there was some redeemable quality, something good in Jack. Yep. I think he was going to I think they could have been on that right path for that once Jack met Gus. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just knew. And even if they bonded over Gus. Like, yeah. I, I think there were things between the two of them that were probably never going to be addressed right. because of the way that they are wired and just the way that Brian's been conditioned. But Gus was the fresh start. Right. He Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. He was a fresh start. And so even if they were never going to have a conversation, let's say little Gus is five years old on the soccer field. Well, Jack wants to come see his yeah. grandson. Uh-huh. So they stand side by side there. Even if they're not talking to each mm-hmm. other, He's you know. He's present yeah. for the child. I mean, you know? I was still going to hate Jack. Right. <laughs> but, but I can appreciate the effort. Like, I messed up on my own child, but I'm not going to mess up on my grandchild. Right. You know? I think you said that before. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes bad parents make great grandparents. Yeah, yeah. they do. Um, but, yeah. And I, that's all, you know, going back to what I said, it's the finality of it. Like, we won't get to see that, what it could have been. And mm-hmm. so that's what Brian's dealing with. Um, but so as he's drunk, he's also snorting something and uh, because he just like, like we said, he can't process those feelings. Mm-hmm. He can't work out what he feels. And so uh, Brian, Michael says, well, haven't you abused yourself enough? And <laughs> Brian's like, nope. And then he tells him like, hey, I actually need to correct that little story you told because I remember that. And he tells him. That was just your I don't have a daddy fantasy. But I knew it though, because that sounded way too nice. And I don't yeah. even fuck with Jack like that. Like, you, <laughs> Jack ain't never said nothing nice. He could even be nice when Brian told him he had a son. You know, like, right. come on, stop. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we knew there was something fishy about that story Michael told. But I do think in Michael's mind, he remembered it that way because he'd rather have a bad father than no father. Right. But he doesn't know just what it is like to have a bad father. True. So he thinks that's the case, but it's like, nah, Brian's like, nah, you don't want no part of that. And I can agree with Mike. I can feel what he's going through because, you know, my father died when I was young. So I didn't grow up with my actual dad, but my mom was just so loving. I was kind of sheltered. Like I never missed the beat without having another yeah. parent. You know, like mm-hmm. my mom was just, I mean, she was like a Wonder Woman. And I think that was a Deb, too. You know, yeah. Deb is all over the place. She's always been taken in strays from the community. <laughs> she take care of Vic, you know. Yeah. Like, she's all over the place. I don't think he ever, you know, went without love. He always just wanted the fantasy of having a man. And good or bad, like you're saying. Right. Like, good or bad, he just wanted to say, I had a dad. Somebody took me fishing. Somebody taught me how to play basketball or didn't teach me but could have you know? <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah he'd rather have something than nothing but mm-hmm. brian tells a true story and he was like yeah i did we did go bowling and i did bowl the strike but and then you hugged and tells michael you hugged me and then i kissed you because they're super excited and he says jack came over and saw that and called them both fairies and brian said he pushed michael down and then what he says right here i didn't catch it until just now he says and then i ran and i ran and ever since then, because that happened, Michael, when Michael brought up that story at the Kenny home, he said it was like right after he met Brian. 
And so that's probably like right when Brian was like, okay, yeah, I'm gay and I found somebody else who's like me. And so, you know, whatever. But he says, I ran and I ran. I think from that day, he was always running and hiding mm-hmm. that part of himself from his dad. And he just kept running. And that's what we know. He That's why he never told them because he saw Jack's reaction there at that bowling alley. Yeah. And that's why he kept running, kept hiding it from him and from Joan. Mm-hmm. So they're in Brian's laying up well brian falls back onto the bed and he asks michael to stay with him and so then michael's like you know just for a minute so they lay there together and oh these two codependent I souls said, I, I immediately <laughs> said i don't like the way they look at each other yeah well my shoulder is still sore I know. From girl from it, you tapping me during this scene it was pop, um, like i could feel it like because he was like oh my gosh tell me they're not going to he even started calling for his partner to come into the uh, room yeah, like god it was i was like oh no my emotion was like through the roof yeah it was uh, crazy and i would not say anything that was gonna happen but so michael brian starts like caressing michael and then he kind of starts to like kiss him and he rolls over on top of him michael is like you're high what are you doing uh and brian just continues i mean look big ups to michael you do need that friend you know you need that friend it's gonna be the you know the clear head i get that but boy i don't know if i could have done it i would yeah. i didn't wait 15 years well, I don't care what okay so so brian tells him because michael is kind of been a little hesitant and brian says well isn't this what you always wanted and Michael says, well, you know, not a drunken roll in the hay, basically. And he's like, I never wanted that. Now, he doesn't say. <laughs> he didn't say he didn't want it. Yeah, he just, he just doesn't want, want it like that. Yeah, like that. So, I mean, if tomorrow and you're feeling better. <laughs> if, you're, if you so- drink this coffee and sober up, <laughs> yeah, then, then we can talk. Exactly. <laughs> but I don't I don't want the drunk pity sex. Yeah, you know? but yes, uh, big ups to Michael here because he doesn't go through with it. Uh when he totally could have, but 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 this tells us something about Michael. Yes, he does want Brian. We know that, but he wants Michael Brian to choose him with a clear, yeah, sober mind. Absolutely, which has not happened. It's, but up to this say, point. that's never going to happen. Probably not. But yeah. uh, you know, we never know. We're only in season one. Do you say probably like that because I just I'm going to move on to the <laughs> next scene. <laughs> Um, so we go over to Babylon and Emmett is there and he's mugging down on the dance floor with some guy and, you know, Emmett's getting some action and, you know, we're happy to see it. I am because Emmett, they always give him the short end of the stick. (laughs) I bet he's the one who pulls the most, him and Brian. I think he does his fair share of pulling. Yeah, Yeah. for real. But we don't ever get to see that side. Only time we got to see him intimate like that was was two. It was one time he was in his mind in yeah. the early episodes with the little um, alter ego guy. Uh-huh. And then um, when they paid the sexy... Um, oh, yeah. Oh, Zach O'Toole. Yeah, Zach O'Toole. <laughs> they paid him the $1,000 to come over, and he declined it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm and there's just, like, little see. glimpses here and there. But, yeah. So, anyway, you see him on the dance floor. But then he spots Blake, and he decides that he needs to go have a chat with him. And he goes up there. And at first, Blake thinks he's going to ask him to dance. And so he turns him down. And then does, uh, Emmett's like, no, I wasn't going to ask you to dance. And Blake turns to him and is like, who are you? And he says, Emmett tells him exactly who he is. Yep. Like, I'm Emmett Honeycutt. And I am a friend of Ted Schmidt. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, he's like, you might remember me from the night. And he brings up the night that Blake blacked out in the bathroom, which is kind of low, but I mean, He needed to hit him uh, with an uppercut. He needed to hit him with that. Yeah. To let him know, 
I'm I'm not here for the shenanigans. Mm-hmm. I know you're kind, and what you're not fixing to do, you're not gonna dis- disrupt any type of you know dealings with my friend. Yeah, well, because the truth is, Emmett really doesn't know Blake and Blake's intentions. He thinks he does, yeah. and what he thinks is what he's seen from other crystal addicts. meth addicts, mm-hmm. and so he thinks that he knows them. But he, but he, we know that he doesn't know Blake's intentions, and we hope that they're good, but. But Emmett really doesn't know. So that's why he brings that up. Because, like, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I'm going to be straightforward with you. Um, And he asks him, why aren't you with Ted? Why are you here talking to a dealer? And Blake's Mm. like, well, that's just my friend. Which I think that is a good question. If you're trying to... I don't see that's what I mean. It's weird with an addict. Because you want to give them their space to live their life. But also, it's like, why are you in the club when, you know, the other day or a week ago you were at the hospital? But And clearly, also, the gay circuit is really small. Everybody knows who everyone Definitely is. Definitely at Babylon on Liberty yeah, Avenue. <laughs> for real. Everybody yeah. knows everybody. Clearly, he knows that's the dealer. You know, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, because then it's like, don't play with me. Even yeah. if he is your friend, I still know he's a dealer. Yeah, exactly. So, if you really want to be clean, you got to disassociate from everyone that's not positive influences in your life. You over here with the dealer? Stop. Yeah. You need to... You should be finding the light. <laughs> well, not, well the, the right the, light. The right light. Not the, the, right not light. the bad light. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Emmett tells him, like, I know what's going on here. And Ted can't see it, basically, because he's blinded by love. He says, he loves you. And that's why he's choosing to see the best in you. And Blake says, well, I love him, too. Do you believe Blake? I do believe Blake. I, I believe, too. But he's just, I mean, he's an addict. Right. So, I mean, he's torn. Like, he wants to be with Ted, but he already knows... If he lets it take hold of him, he knows he's going to do nothing but hurt him. Because, I mean, addiction is terrible. Yeah, it is rough, It's a hard man. road rough, to rough, travel. Rough. Yeah. Um, so, here, Emmett is, whew, right here, he tells him, you love drugs, so get drugs. And he gives him money to go do that. And I'm like, I didn't agree with that. No, man. I don't either. Like, that was terrible. Oh, like, Emmett, even if you don't want this person with your friend, if you're going to send him to go get drugs, don't pay for it. You know what drugs can do to a person. Exactly. And you know that Blake's clearly out of control with it because he was blacked out in the bathroom at Babylon. Like, Thank you. Oh, Emmett. I mean, you wouldn't do that. That's like putting the gun in a child's hand and saying, don't play with the gun. Right. Like, come on now. Or do play with it. You yeah. want to see what it does here, play with it. Yeah, yeah. come on. I mean, Emmett was destructive in that um, scene. Yeah, that's not how you... And, and just imagine if you're Blake and you're an addict who's struggling and trying to recover and somebody tells you, this is what you are, this is what you'll always be. Here, go continue your habit. Then you're like, well, everybody's written me off. I might as well. Yeah. And not to say like Blake's responsible for his own actions, but Emmett definitely didn't help. No, yeah. he didn't. And as, um, as Ted, if you're my friend and I find out that you actually supplied money to someone that I care about that's on the road to recovery that's dealing with some bad times and you gave him money and you know I was expecting him instead of you know trying to coach him down the right way I would have issues you know like you and I we would have problems for sure so Emmett sends him off and tells him if you break his heart I will break your face and I believe Emmett no I do (laughs) when he says that and then he dismisses him by saying now if you you know excuse me they're playing my song and that is the most like Emmett you know it was like check departure that I've ever seen yeah um, so I I love him standing up for his friend. Yes. I love him being firm because we both heard of stories where an addict is taking advantage of a person yeah. who who does love them and care about them. And so I get where Emmett's coming from, but man, I just think that he's doing he might be taking a, a little, little too, too far. Like yeah. 
I mean, it sucks, but you might just have to be there to pick up the pieces for Ted after this crumbles, if it's going to crumble, instead of, you know, getting in the in the front. Yeah, because sometimes you you have to just experience it yourself. Yeah. You know, that's how some people got to learn. Okay, so then we see Daphne and she struts into the diner with her friend. (laughs) (laughs) I could tell that things have gotten weird. Yeah, the she weirdness has, a, has yeah, arrived. Yeah, she got a brand new strut. Like, you could just see it in her walk. Yeah. The way the She's door like, open. all woman now. Yeah. <laughs> no, she walked with, like, this confidence. Her head was held yeah, high. Her shoulders girl. was back. She had this smile, a glow. She yeah. Had, like, a glow on her face. She had that butterfly clip in her hair. Yeah. Eyeshadow popping. <laughs> and she's never come to um, the diner with a friend. Right. Because the only time we've seen her there was when Justin was at a shift and they were like yep. studying together or something mm-hmm. like that. But now, yeah. Mm-hmm. She probably knew Justin was at work. Yeah. So, yeah. so she's there with her friend and they're they're talking and uh, the friend mentions prom and she's like, well, I guess you two are going together. And Justin's like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. So he pulls over to the side and I respect that he did that, that he didn't confront her in front of the girl. He pulls over to the side and he's like, did you tell her? Did you tell people what happened? About and what? Then, Yeah, she's like, oh, about what? Yeah. what? <laughs> and then we find out Daphne did tell them. And at first, Justin's a little bothered by that because I think in his mind, it was like, I was doing it to help you. And yeah. that's just kind of like a, a private thing between the two of us. And now um, you're telling the world. Yeah. And so then he, you know, kind of like, okay, whatever. You told him. I guess it's fine. She's like, you know, the worst thing they could think is that you're heterosexual. And, you know, knowing what he's going through at school, he's probably like, well, that's probably not the worst thing. <laughs> well, but at the same I mean, yeah, he well, could get, he get but, points at school. But also him, people thinking he's gay, it almost comes out like he's trying to hide who he right. is. So that's how I took it. I was like... Yeah, that's the well, worst thing, baby. That's not a good well, thing. Well, that you're you know, you're right because also how much he has endured to be open yeah. and out at school, like yeah, that would look, be a bit of it's, a regression. It's like he folded to the pressure. Right. You know, like yeah. no. So you're right about Stand that. Strong. Absolutely. That's that's a bad thing, boo. <laughs> yeah. Uh so they get to talking and she asks him if he's gonna go uh, somewhere and he tells her, I have plans, and she's like, Well, what plans? You didn't tell me. And it's like, you can just already see. This. I was like, girl. <laughs> yeah. Cool it. This is yeah. not your man. Okay. This is your best friend. She treated him like a whole man. Like, I was like, hold up. Yeah. I feel the energy change. <laughs> yeah. And so he says, well, well, you know, what about your boyfriend? And she's like, we broke up. And then she says, like, we didn't have anything in common. And he's like, I thought y'all were instant messaging back and forth a lot. And she's like, yeah, but he can't spell. And let me just say. When I was, well, I think when we were my, maybe in high school, maybe even in junior high, right. there was this guy, who, we weren't dating, but he would like call me periodically and he would be like, I'm boring instead of I'm bored. And uh, I was like, I cannot handle this yeah. poor grammar. <laughs> so I get it, Daphne. Deal breaker. <laughs> yeah, deal breaker. But anyway, she says, like I said, we don't have anything in common. And she says, you know, like you and I basically is mm-hmm. what she's getting at and so yeah justin is just like uh he's picking it up yeah (laughs) yeah he can feel it for sure yeah so then we get a three-way call between ted emmett and michael and ted is telling them that he can't find blake like blake didn't come home last night and emmett's like at home (laughs) you know but anyway he says i couldn't find him i looked everywhere and they suggest he checked the police station the hospital the morgue and you know, Ted's not really feeling the love there. Uh, and he's like, you can give me a helpful suggestion. And Michael gets called at work and he has, well, he's at work, but he gets paged at work and mm-hmm. he has to drop off. And Emmett, I noticed he waits until Michael gets off and then he tells him, look, uh, you need to just be grateful that he's gone. Doesn't matter where he went. 
just be grateful that he's gone. Just heartless. Yeah. And I mean, even if you, I mean, you have to care about your feelings. It goes, your friend's feelings. It goes back to what we've been saying about them when it comes to Brian. Okay, we know how you feel about this image, but the fact is, Ted loves this man and he cares about him. And so, yeah, it's not all about you. You don't have to agree, but you've got to care about your friend. Yeah, you know? show me the respect. Yeah. Uh, so we see Justin and he's, I just love to call them his big sisters, but he's helping <laughs> Melanie and Lindsay move a mattress. And he's kind of frustrated because he's having some woman problems. And he tells them that he and Daphne slept together. And he's like, and now she's being all weird and she's acting like we're in a relationship basically. And they tell him, you know, it's not as easy for a woman to separate sex from feelings. And we know that's not maybe not true across the board, but that's a true. That statement does have some truth to it. I love this interaction between yeah. them because it was totally different from what the guys mm-hmm. told them. I wanted the guys. The guys were just like, "Go for it, do it, be there," you know. Mm-hmm. And where the girls was like, "Well, when you do cross that line, this is the aftermath," you yeah. know. Like this is why. Now, do you understand why she's feeling this way? Exactly. So, and the way they explained it to him, like you're letting her, in, you're she's letting you inside her body. Basically, like she's connecting with you in a different way, and so naturally she's going to start to feel a little mm-hmm. bit different and so yeah she might start falling in love with you after that and the way they broke it down it, it gave him a different perspective yeah he was able to see it out of a woman's eyes you know opposed yeah. to just what the guys were telling him the girls let him know that hey well for certain people you know they can't just switch it off to just sex you right know? there like, might be some after effects right. to this yeah mm-hmm. and okay so let's Talk about, okay, so Justin had his first time with Brian, fell in love with the guy yeah. he had his first time with, yep. and then, you know, st- kind of stalked him and then stayed involved in his life and still is. And then now this is uh, Daphne's first time, and he's kind of like, I don't understand why she's... That part, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so in a little way, in a, it kind of sounds hypocritical, but it's a different situation because she, and he says, like, she knew that I was gay, you know, um, but he... It seems like he should be a little bit more understanding. But yeah. in his mind, he's like, we were just friends. Right. She asked me to help her with this. I, it was help. I right. It her. was a, yeah, I was just doing this for a friend. It was a, just a purely a friendship thing. We already talked about it before. Like, don't get weird afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so so I, I get that he can seem a little hypocritical, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was going to happen, though. I mean, it's the mm-hmm. first time. You mm-hmm. always have those emotions. Well, and I would imagine, like she says, even before he told her he was gay, I would imagine that at some point she considered the two of them together because right. that's just something that happens. I all, except with one exception, all of my best friends were always guys and it never failed. Somebody in our life would tell us, mm-hmm. y'all make a cute couple. Mm-hmm. Y'all should get together. Have y'all ever thought about, you know, making it official? Mm-hmm. And so I'm pretty sure that thought had been put in her head. I mean, you even get it from the Taylors a little bit. Like, they might have thought that him and Daphne would get together. So, she just thought, oh, well, now that this has happened, maybe we have a different kind of relationship now. So, we leave this scene and go over to the bowling alley and Brian's there. Michael comes rushing in and he says that he got a call. They need to drop everything and get over there right now to meet Brian. So, he thought something was, like, really going on. And um, Brian tells him that he's paying his respects to Jack there at the bowling alley. And this is something that makes sense to him, you know? You know, Michael is look, would probably look at this and like, why in the heck are we here? But this makes sense to Brian. And you can't tell, like we say, you can't tell a person how to grieve. This makes sense for him. So this is what he's doing. 
So Michael goes first and he grabs the pink ball, of course, because of course he does. And he <laughs> rolls it, nearly takes out his calf muscle and gets a gutter ball. And uh, so there's some guys there and they start to laugh and make fun of him. And you mm-hmm. can see on Brian's face, he's like immediately transported back to being yep. 14 years old and being there with Jack. And, you know, you can just see it. He's, he's nervous mm-hmm. and those memories have come up and he yeah, just gets uncomfortable. And then, so then it's his turn, and he gets up, and he rolls a strike, and then he just rolls strike after strike. strike. Yeah. And uh, and just this awesome little scene there. And then we see Michael, and he's jumping up and down. He's celebrating. And Brian turns around. He's like, you see that? The fairy's got a strike. And he, he kisses Michael to celebrate. In front of uh, everyone. Yeah. And I love this song playing here. How does it feel? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it's just great. And so what he's doing here is he's reclaiming this memory yep you know like this was there was so much pain and hurt and embarrassment and fear tied to this place and this memory for me but Mm -hmm. now he has reclaimed it yes and so he is taking one small little baby step toward grieving and i'm gonna say toward healing yes no absolutely it's a small step but it's a step yes i 100 percent agree with you on that uh, so then Justin goes over to see Daphne at work. She works at a record store, which awesome job for a high school kid. Yes. <laughs> um, and she says that she sees him differently now. And she's like, well, what are you doing later? My parents are home. So basically Daphne's looking uh, for a repeat performance. Yes. Okay. I was, I remember saying, girl, I know he didn't put it down like that. That she's I guess Justin is out here working with something. I guess so. Okay. So, working with that monster, y'all. That's why he got Brian Kenny coming back too. Yeah. Okay. He got them all coming to the yard. Yeah. That milkshake. Uh, yeah. But he showed up there to clear the air and good on him for doing that. That's very mature because mm-hmm. he could have just like, Avoided her, blocked her number. Yeah. yeah. And, but he, you know, when that's his friend, he loves her and cares about her. And he's like, I want us to just get this straight. You know, he even said that he was going to email her, but he thought it was best to do it in person. Yeah. Mm hmm. Good for him. Uh, and so Daphne gets upset, you know, as he's trying to like straighten this out. And he's telling her it was a favor. And then she's like, well, with all the guys that you've been with lately. <laughs> How's she going to low-key call him a hoe? I know. She did. Like, she did. When you wanted this, when you knew all the guys I've been with. And girl, he ain't been with nobody. Really, not that kinda. many. Not yeah, that many. No, definitely not. And um, But she's just upset because she feels like he's just throwing her to the side like he would any other guy that he's tricking with. And then he's like, no, it, it wasn't that. You know, it has some meaning, but not. Not the what kind of you yeah, want. not what not what you're thinking, yeah. And then she says, like, I don't even know you anymore. Ever since you met Brian, you've become a full time homosexual, and basically she feels left behind. And we've seen in the episodes where Justin the, the rift between him him and his parents is growing, but also like just his normal social life he had before. Mm-hmm. That's growing. as he gets more comfortable and more kind of indoctrinated over here on Liberty Avenue. He is kind of. Distancing, so. distancing, not on purpose, but he just mm-hmm. he's got more people and more places to go, and so um, he doesn't. It's not just him and Daphne anymore. Right. But she's feeling that, but because of the whole sex thing thrown in, she's yeah, yeah. Now her emotions are everywhere. Yeah, it's a little bit harder for her to accept what's mm-hmm. going on with him. Uh so Ted uh, eventually finds Blake, and we see him in what's the equivalent of like a crack house. And I love the way this scene is shot because it looks like a stage play. Did you yeah. pick that up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, even the, the way the sound is recorded, like the sound effects are a little bit different in that. And even just the visuals a little bit different. But 
knowing that something that they've bonded with in their relationship is that opera La Traviata, you know, mm-hmm. and then knowing what Ted, what Scott told us in his interview, a lot of them have theater backgrounds. Yep. Even the writers have that. Like it was very much like set up like a uh-huh. like a show uh-huh. at a theater. I loved it. Um, even the guys in the background, they just kind of looked like. I forget what they call those actors. <laughs> yeah, they're just background. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I, I love that scene. And it's such a, it's a very heavy scene. There's a lot of heaviness in this episode he talks about. And so Ted walks over to him and he tells him, he asks him to come back. And Blake says, well, no, I'll just screw everything up again. And Ted tells him, well, you can't stay here where some guy threw up on your mattress. And we find out that Blake's the one who threw up on his own mattress. This is what I loved in this scene. I loved how... This was what Emmett didn't couldn't see. Yeah. The, I'm glad Ted got to experience it. Blake was 100% honest with him. Mm-hmm. He let him know off the rip, like, it was me. You know, I want to be with you, basically, but I'm going to mess everything up. Like, I have an issue. Yeah, I'm know? still weak. Like, yeah, in, I'm still weak. And it goes back to what he says. When he went to Ted's house initially, he said, some guy, you know, threw up on my mattress. I can't be there anymore. I don't yeah. want to be there anymore. Uh-huh. And I think that's so true. He's asking like, I help. don't want to mm-hmm. be in that life, in that environment anymore. Yeah, he was asking for help. Uh, and But even as he's telling him this, even as being 100% honest mm-hmm. with him, uh, Ted just continues to come closer and it's just so loving and it feels very operatic and very tragically romantic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and yeah, I just love this whole scene and exactly what you said. Emmett doesn't see that Ted is in love with this man that he, yeah. that he cares for him deeply. Um, and so Blake asks him, how does La Traviata end? Does the guy marry the slut? And Ted says, of course. And they, Live to sing many glorious duets. Well, that's actually not true. That's not oh, how the Lord. play ends. Yeah. The woman dies. There's a oh. whole lot of stuff to it, but she, uh, it's a tragedy. And so, you know, <laughs> she dies. And, you know, I'll tell that whole story later. But that tells us something about Ted. He's wanting to give Blake hope. Yes. And, and, and that's if, what if, he needs. And if you have to hope in this relationship, if that's the thing that can help you, if you can't do it for yourself, but you can do it for this relationship, yes. then okay, sure, I'll give you that. Because Absolutely. he cares that much about him and about him getting clean. Yep. And I love that he didn't care that he lied to him. And it was, right. you know, that was him who threw up. He didn't care. He just wants the safety. Yeah. He just wants him to be better, mm-hmm. you know, because he can feel the connection between the two of them as well. Like, he knows it's true. He's just going through a tough time, something yeah. that's extremely difficult to kick. Yeah. Well, even that when Blake says... Well, no, don't kiss me. I just threw up. And Ted's like, I don't, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just wanting to show him, like, I'm not going to just walk away from right. you. Like, I don't You're care. You're not perfect. Right. I, I, like I don't care your... how screw you, screwed up you are. Yeah. yeah. I'm not walking away. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we see Brian and Michael driving in the Jeep. And Brian pulls over to the side of the street. And Michael's like, what the heck are we doing? What's going on? And Brian pulls out the bowling ball and just releases it um, into the street there, mm-hmm. and I, that's very symbolic because he's just he's letting go yeah. of some of that power, that that pain, that pain yeah, uh, that that Jack had over him, and just releasing him and releasing so, as much as of as he can of mm-hmm. that stuff, and then he raises his hands in victory and he says, "So long, Jack," uh, and then. You know, he and then he just sits in that moment for a little while, just kind of finally feeling some, Uh yeah, like reclaiming some of himself. Like we talked about him reclaiming that memory, but just like all that space in his head that Jack has occupied for the whole 29 years Brian Uh has been alive, he's releasing some of that and just like, 
you're kind of kicking him out, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. In some ways. I mean, he's still going to have stuff that he's dealing with, you know, because, I mean, he's dealt with that for 29 years. But that in this moment, yeah, him. that was very therapeutic. Like, that was him grieving. That was his way to do it. And then he turns around. It's almost like, oh, yeah, Michael's here. You know, he sees him there. And he goes over to Michael. And he's like, at this point now, he's able to accept the comfort that Michael is trying to offer. Mm-hmm. And so, and as it's like, He's almost crying, but not quite. And so we, and Gail is such a great actor because we get, we still see that conflict of emotions yes. there where it, it looks like he's going to have tears pouring down his face, but there's still just this like, I don't know. He just, he's trying to process it, trying mm-hmm. to grieve, trying to move forward. But yeah, it's very honest, very raw. It was, it was very, very real. honest. Yep. The emotions were very honest. Yeah. They didn't even seem like it was acting. It felt like. Two best friends, really in the moment, one comforting the other one, and the other one, you know, just letting go. Trying to figure out how to deal. Yep. Yeah. So that's the end of this episode. Yep, it closed like that. We told y'all this was an emotional roller coaster in this yeah. episode. This one, I mean, had you all over the place, from happy to sad, you know, just different dynamics all over the place. And guys, we also been receiving a ton of your feedback and we are loving it yes we, we, we love it sure. we're gonna start giving little shout outs um to all you guys that are sending in your feedback we want to hear what you guys think we do this for you guys we do this because we all share the common love for queers folk yeah i mean and we, yeah we want to do a podcast that you know is a platform for other fans of queers folk and also something that fans of Queer Folk can be proud of. Yes. Yeah, so we want to talk about the things that you guys want to hear about. Uh, so I do want to give a shout out to, there's an account on Instagram, I think it's, okay, this might be wrong, but it's like at Sunshine Collectory, maybe? It's Collector with like two or three eyes at the end, but they are awesome. Like they always repost our our stuff and they put us in their stories. So Thank big you shout guys. out to whoever's, yeah, whoever's big, running that account. Big shout out to you guys. It does not go unnoticed. We thank you. And thanks to everyone who purchased a poor Ted shirt. We did donate the proceeds of that to um, to Centerlink. They sponsor, They support the uh, LGBT centers throughout the U.S. So, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you guys there. so much. We really do appreciate all the love. This is going to end this episode. So until next time, guys, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.